Welcome to the Vision Sermon Podcast. Our goal is to teach every verse and reach every nation. For more information, visit visionbaptistcobb.com. We're going to be open up to Galatians chapter 4, because uh, we've been talking about uh, the purpose of the law. Why did God give the law? Why uh, is the law for Christians? What's the, why, is, why did God give the law? What's the reason behind it? And so that's what we've been studying. Now, as we get into Galatians chapter 4, we've already seen God's purpose for the law. Remember what it is? God's purpose for the law is to point us to Christ. Remember that? He says, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Because the law, what does it do? It just proves that we're wrong. When you look at yourself, your life, compared to the Ten Commandments, you say, man, I don't measure up. I need someone to rescue me, and I need someone to save me, and that person is Jesus. Now, when we get into Galatians chapter 4, the whole idea is that we do not, we no longer live under the law. The law had no power to save us or to give us righteousness. Christ did that. So the question is, why would we go back to trying to keep the law? We've been freed by Christ. I mean, we live by grace through faith, right? That's what the Bible says. We live by grace through faith. Uh, The law only condemns. But the problem is that sometimes we, uh, our cultural Christianity, we want to look at the Ten Commandments, we want to look at the law, we want to look at these different rules, we make rules for ourselves, and we say, by these standards, I am righteous. And we don't even talk about Christ. Because Christ is the one who's given us righteousness, but we say, oh, I don't do this. Therefore, I'm righteous. Or, oh, I'm not as bad as this person. Therefore, I'm righteous. When we don't realize that the whole point of the law was to show us that we aren't righteous and that we need help. And that we found that help in Christ. But what was happening in Galatia and what happens today is that we go back to those things. We understand that Christ, He came and died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. And He gives us righteousness. But we kind of, after we come to Christ, we can tend to want to turn back and rely on what we do. Those things that could never give us righteousness in the first place. We want to turn backwards to the law. Because what we're going to find in this chapter is that Paul, when he's writing, he says, hey, the law, it was like that schoolmaster. That was the person who regulated life. That was the person who was over us and in control of us. He says, now we're out from under that bondage, is what he calls it. calls it basically slavery. He says, we're out from under that. Why would you go back to that? And he compares it to a child. Uh, in those days, a Roman child or a Greek child, they would have, uh, especially the more wealthy people, they would have a, a, a slave, usually one of their servants, who was educated, who was in charge of the children. And he would watch them. He'd make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. He was the guy who was almost like a butler, if you will. He was the one who took care of them, made sure they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. He says, now, in Christ, we're no longer under that person that controls us. So he says, why would you go back to that? Why would you go back to that life of childishness is really what he says. He says, you guys think that not doing this or doing this makes you more spiritual, uh, it makes you more mature, but it doesn't. He says, you're going back to child childishness. Uh, they were trying to go backwards because there's some people coming in. You remember what they said? They said, hey, if you don't keep the law of Moses, you're not saved. And they were making out to be some sort of higher spiritual level. And he says, no, that's not higher, more mature spirituality. He says, no, it's not. Believing in Christ is where we're free. That's where we have real maturity. He says, so why are you trying to go back to to living like a child? And so what we ought to be doing is we ought to be learning to live out the life that Christ has placed in us. Because we saw in Galatians chapter 2, in verse number 20, let's turn over there real quick, actually, as we get started. Galatians 2.20, remember what Paul says? It's this kind of a confounding verse. Look at what it says, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, 
In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, hey, I was crucified with Christ. When Christ died, when Christ was put on the cross, I died with him. Okay? Now I'm living because obviously if, our, if you're here, you're living and breathing. I hope anyway. Right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good. I want to make sure. Otherwise, we need some help. Uh, you're living and breathing. So now how are you living? Because you died with Christ, so what are you, how are you living now? What's your life now? And Paul says, you know what, the life we're living now, it's Christ living in us. See where it says that? I'm not living, Christ lives in me. In the life I'm living, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So we're trusting God. He's, Christ is living out his life through us. So think about it. We don't need any rules to tell us what's right, what's wrong. Because we have Christ living in us. What, was, what characterized Christ's life, Jesus' life? Think about it. He was sinless, was he not? So if Jesus is living out his sinless life in us, then why do we need to have a bunch of rules to tell us how to live righteously? We don't, because we have Christ, and he's living in us. The Holy Spirit's working in us to bring us to maturity so that we could be living out what Christ has put in us. So why would we go back to the law? That doesn't even make sense. Why would we go back to something that could never help us live righteously, could never help us please God He has saved us, and as we live for Him, we are honoring God. We are pleasing God. We have God's righteousness. So we don't need a bunch of rules. We don't need to go back to that bondage. We must learn to live in and enjoy our status as the children of God. Does that make sense? That's what Galatians chapter 4 is saying. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into the word. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for how you have sent your son to come and die in our place. God, I ask you to help us this morning that we would learn to trust in you and to to live out what you have put in us. God, you have made us new creatures through salvation. We are have been born into your family. God, I ask you to help us to learn to live out those things that you have placed in us. Live out your life in us. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for giving us something we could never, ever deserve. God, you are a good God. I pray you teach us this morning. Praise things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Galatians chapter 4, verse number 1 is where we're going to be starting. Look at what the Bible says. Follow along with me. He says this in Galatians 4, 1. He says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. See what that verse is saying? Because remember, it's kind of continuing what we talked about, that schoolmaster. The schoolmaster is in charge of the child. Now, if, if you are the child of your parents, which all of us are, okay? If you're the child of your parents, then that means you are the heir, right? When, when the, your parents pass away, you have an inheritance, okay? Everything that was theirs is yours, okay? But look at what it says. That heir, the child, when he's young, he's basically like a servant, like a slave, Think about it. Does a child have much say in, in what they do or where they go or what they eat or what they wear, especially when they're younger? I mean, you kind of tell them everything to do, right? That's how it works. At least that's how it worked with my mom. You know, I didn't get to just make any decision I want. She said, okay, you're going to go to school this time. You're going to do these chores. This is what you're going to eat for dinner. This is what you're going to do. So I was basically like a slave. Not really, but that's the whole idea here. It says, even though I'm the heir, even though I'm the one who is eventually going to have all of this stuff, and going to be the one in authority, right now, I'm under authority, okay? Let's keep on going what he says. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. So for a time, they're in control by the law. Even Verse number three. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. He's speaking to a bunch of people who were what we call Gentiles. A Gentile person was somebody who is non-Jewish, 
Okay, and, 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 and most of the times when you're reading the Bible, there's two categories that they work in. There's Jews, and then there's Gentiles. The people who had the law, who were in the Jewish nation, the people who weren't. And so he says, these people, they were in bondage under the elements of the world. Did you know that in, 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 in the cultures around Galatia in that area, they most of the time believed that the stars were what determined their fate, and what determined their destiny, what determined their lives. So see what happens? They were bondage to what the elements of the world said. He says, you guys were, you're, you were under control of that. Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Who is, who is the son of God? It's Jesus. Yes. So he says, when the time was come, when it was the right time, God sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Why? Verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, this, this can get a little bit confusing because think about when, what happens when we get saved. When a person believes in Jesus, they're what you call born again. Remember Jesus said that? He said, no man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And the man, Nicodemus, that he was speaking to, well, he, he was, a, he was a, an, an educated man, but he had a question. He said, hold up, I'm old. How can I get born again? He says, I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about spiritual birth. And so when we are born, we're born into, when we get saved, we're born into the family of God. So then why does it talk about this adoption of sons? What do you think? What, why does it say this? The, and what it was is the adoption of sons was the time or a ceremony in their culture when the, the child, remember that child that was under the control of the schoolmaster, when they became a fully mature, rec, uh, recognized as an adult. They received adult status. And then they were heir to their parents' estate. So he says, what has happened? Hey, we're no longer under the law anymore. We're no longer this. We have full adult mature, uh, status to where we don't need that anymore. We're no longer under the control of the law. That's what he's getting at. Look at verse number 6. And because you are sons, because you are the children of God, God has sent forth, has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's a wonderful verse. Because he says, since you are a son of God, he's given, since you are a child of God, he's given you the spirit. Right? When a person gets saved, the Bible says that they're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that in a second. They're given the Holy Spirit. And you know what that, the Spirit does in us? It, it shows us, or witnesses to us, that we are the children of God. Now there's something completely different about us. Now when we look to God, we don't look at God as this distant, far-off being, but He is our Father. And so we can come to Him and we can say, Father, Daddy, and, and Abba, Father, that was a very close, intimate term between a child and their parents. And so we get to come to God and say, Father, Daddy, look at what it says in verse 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So it says, hey, we're not servants anymore. We're sons. We're the children of God. Look at what it says, verse 8. How be it then? He's, he's asking him a question. How be it then? When ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. He says, when, when you guys didn't know God, when you weren't saved, when you weren't children of God, when you were worshiping the, the stars, when you were worshiping these, these idols, uh, you, you, you served things that weren't gods. But now, verse 9, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? So he says, okay, at one time, you were over here worshiping these idols. Those idols are not gods. They have no power, no strength. They can't do anything, okay? So they, they can't. Now, now you know God, or God has known you. He's saved you. He's rescued you. Now you know God. Now why? And, and of course, we know that our God's all-powerful. He is the one true God. He is real. He is powerful. 
why would we want to turn around and go back to this, this weak and beggarly stuff? And look at what it says in the next verse. And look at what he's talking about. He says, you observe days and months and times and years. I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. He says, listen, you guys are now, you went away from this pagan worship. Now you're going to false law worship to where you're trying to keep the law to be saved. You're trying to keep these days and these years, all these festivals, all these things. And he says, I'm afraid of you guys. Because think about what had Paul done. Paul was the man who had started this church. The, the book of Galatians, what you're reading, was a letter written to a church. It would be like somebody wrote a letter to Vision Baptist Church and he said, all right, visionaries, vision people, here's what I want you to know. And he's saying to them, listen, guys, I don't understand what's happening. How could you turn away from the one true God to go back to worship that stuff that couldn't help you in the first place? Why would you do that? And that's where I get the title. If you want to write this down, why go backwards to the law. Why go backwards to the law? We don't want to do that because we are the sons of God. We have full adult status in Christ. We don't need that stuff. All right, so first thing you can write down, just a few things to keep, to to notice from this passage. First thing is you have received the adoption through Jesus, okay? You have received the adoption through Jesus. If you have believed and put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you have received the adoption through Jesus, okay? Look at what it says. Let's go back and we're going to work through these things a little bit. Back to verse number 1. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Basically, before we were saved, we were under the law. We were controlled by it. The law was our boss. It directed our lives. Turn back with me to Galatians 3 and uh, verse 23. I want you to see a little bit. Uh, this, this verse is going to help us kind of understand a little bit more of what he's saying here. Look what it says. Galatians three twenty-three. But before faith came... We were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. He says, before faith, we were kept under the law. Okay? All right, let's do this. Can we do uh, something where I get a few of you help act something out for me? Uh, Ty, would you mind coming up here and helping me? Okay? Come on up here. Uh, Josh, would you mind helping me? Come on up here. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then we need, we need Jesus. Let's see. Daniel, would you be Jesus for us? All right, come on up here. All right. Uh, Josh, you just maybe you just stand right over here, okay? And Ty, you come and stand in front of Josh. And Jesus, you come over here. You go to stand over there, all right? Now I want you to see what's happening here, okay? Because what happened was, he's this is this is the child, okay? So you're the schoolmaster. He's the one in control of Ty's life. So he says, Ty, you do this, you do that. You can you know point around to yeah. You go over there. You do all those things. He's in control of Ty's life, okay? And so he says, the basic idea is, he says, when we're under the law, we're kept under the law. Ty, if you want to go and, and I don't know what you want to do. If you want to go to the arcade, or they even have arcades anymore. You want to go play your, on your phone or whatever. Uh, Josh has to, you have to get permission from him. You can't just do what you want. You can't. If you want to go and, and be free and do whatever you want, you can't. Because you are kept under the schoolmaster. All right? Now, look what it says in verse 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Under the law, you are locked up, you're kept there, but the law has a purpose. The law is to show you, hey, you, aren't, you can't be free. You are stuck. You are a sinner. You deserve to die. Now, here's what happens. Jesus comes in, and he dies on the cross, and he's buried in rose again. He grabs Ty over here, and he brings him out from under the law. So he's no longer under control of the law. Does that make sense? He is now a son of God. 
He's a child of God, and he is free from the law. So when somebody comes in and says, hey, but wait a minute, you, you better not, I mean, if, you, uh, if you're not keeping all the Old Testament laws, you're really not saved. Christ says, uh-uh, that's not true. I died in his place. He has God's perfect righteousness. The law, he doesn't have any control over him, over him anymore. Does that make sense? Because what was happening was somebody was coming, I'll be the bad guys, I'll be the Judaizers, they're coming in, they're trying to bring him back to the law, to bring him back under bondage. And Paul's writing to say, hold up. Uh, I'll also play Paul. Wait, yeah. I'll also play Paul. I'm going to stand over here and say, hold up, why are you going back over there? You don't belong there. Jesus has saved you. Bring him back over here. He is a child of God. He is a son of God. Does that make sense? All right, give him a round of applause. Very good. Thank you very much, everyone. All right, so that's the idea of what's going on. Under the law, they were slaves. They weren't free. But under Christ, we are free. Look at what it says back in Galatians 4, uh, verse number 2. But as under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Look at what it says, verse 4. But, but when the fullness of time of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Why? to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Notice what it says in verse 4, just a few things that I think are so good. Uh, and actually, Lloyd uh, helped me with this the other day because I was, I was writing an article for our church blog, and uh, I said something like, uh, God allowed Jesus to come and die for our sins. But that's not totally correct. Because look at what it says here in verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God did what? What's that next word? Sent. Sense. That's an act of like, okay, you go there, telling him to go. It's not just like, okay, you can go if you want to. It's no, you go there, go die for those people, go down to earth to die for their sins so that they can be saved. So what did God do? He sent his son to come and die in our place. It was at the right time, at the perfect time, when everything was right, just like God wanted. He, had Je- he sent Jesus, he was made of a woman, he was born to the Virgin Mary, and he came and died on the cross to redeem us. And what does that mean about Christ? That means that he was, he was 100% God. We find in the book of John that it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then just a few verses later, you find out that that Word, that was Jesus. Where it says the Word was manifest in flesh. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, but he's 100% human. Because you saw what it said there, it said made of women, made of a woman. And this was so that we could receive the adoption, so that we could be saved, so that we no longer have to be under the law, but we have been freed from the law, which was bondage. It held on to us. It, it controlled us. Now we're free under Christ. So, some questions for us. So, why do you want to, why would you want to go back to being in bondage? Why would you want to go back to rules? Because that's what these people are saying. And it can be so subtle sometimes because what was happening is there were people coming to the church and they're saying, hey, if you just keep these things, then you're, re- you, you, I mean, it was really more like you have to keep these things and then you'll be right with God. But what happens usually with us is we think, oh, if you do X, Y, and Z, then you'll really be right with God. And if you don't, then you're not really right with God. You're not really righteous. Uh, you're, you're not. Is, is what happens, why would we go back to that? Because Christ has set us free. He has brought us into his family. We are saved. The law, it just proved that we were sinners. And I keep saying that every time. And, and that is the, the message of Galatians. And we can't get over that because the truth is the law proved we were sinners. It couldn't make us righteous. And now we have full access to God. Think about it. We're no longer locked up like Ty was. We're no longer under control of the schoolmaster. Now we are free from that. We have full access to God. So that's the first thing. We receive the adoption through Jesus. It was his death, 
his burial, his resurrection that gave us that freedom from the law. Second thing, you are now a son of God through Jesus. You are now a son of God through Jesus. You are now a child of God through Jesus. Let's look at verse 6. Look what it says. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Do you understand what this is saying? This is one of the most, the two of the most precious verses, I think, here in, in, in Galatians that talk about our relationship with God. No longer do we have this far off, distant relationship with God, but we are his children. But the problem is, most of the time, we don't, we don't see it like that. We don't think about it like that. We don't think of God as our, our Father, the one who, who we're close to, the one who we have a deep relationship of love with. We think that He's some tyrant. We think that He doesn't really care about us, that He's not involved in our lives, that He, he isn't near us and He doesn't care. We often think that. But a father, he, a good father, He loves His children. And he is involved in their lives, and he does care. And look at what has happened. Look at what has happened here, verse 6. It says, Because your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. What has happened is, it's not just that, well, he's, he's made us sons, but because we are sons, we, because we are his children, he has sent his Spirit to live inside of us, and it cries out in our hearts, Abba, Father, where we realize that God is our Father, that we have a close relationship with him. The question is, are we, do you understand that? Are you enjoying that? Do you realize that, hey, He is your Father. He is. You are His child. And He does love you. Because most of the time we act like God really doesn't love us. We think that God doesn't love us. We think, hey, if God loved us, then this or then that. But the truth is, He does. He sent His Spirit to live inside of us, and we recognize that He is our Father. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 8. Talking a little bit more about the Spirit that is in our hearts. Look at, look at what it says in Romans chapter 8. When, when God gives the, when, when a person gets saved, God gives them the Holy Spirit, and He lives inside of us. And part of the purpose is to to witness with us to to prove to us that we are His children. Let's look at what it says, Romans eight, verses fifteen and sixteen. Look at what it says: For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. There's that same word we've been looking at in Galatians, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse uh, verse. 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you are saved, there ought to be something in your heart where you recognize, man, God, He is my Father. And the Spirit is is witnessing with our spirit to prove that we are the children of God. And you know what that means? That means you don't have to worry. You don't have to be, be uneasy all the time about, I'm not sure whether God loves me. He's giving you the Spirit. He's, you are His child. You are His. He has brought you into His family. You don't have to wonder if He loves you. But most of the time we do wonder. And we think, I don't know if God really loves me. Especially when, when bad things happen, we think, man, if God really loved me, then why would this happen? And why would He, he let this situation come into my life? And why would He let this person be hurt? Or why would He let this happen to me? And we think, I don't think God loves me. But the truth is, He is our Father. He is our Father. He does love us. He has proven it. The Spirit is is the seal on the believer to prove that, hey, this person is my child. Let's look over at Ephesians. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but in Ephesians chapter 1, you can look at it on the screen or you can turn over there. Uh, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, look at what it says because, you know, I want you to understand this because for many years I struggled and I wondered whether or not I was really saved or not. 
Because I, I had believed in Jesus, but for the first few years after I became a Christian, when I was 15 years old, uh, I wonder and thinking like, man, I, I mess up. I'm not sure whether I'm really saved or not. You know, I, I do this or this happens. I'm like, man, I don't know whether I'm really born again. I don't, I don't know. And it, it, it tortured me for a long time until I got in the Word and I understood these truths. And then God really began working in my heart so I could understand these things. Look what it says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. He says this, in, in whom ye also trusted, that being Jesus, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You see how that works? He says, we trusted in Him after something happened. What, what happened before we trusted in Jesus? What does it say? It says, we believed. You see that? Look at what it says there uh, in verse 13. Uh, after you, or Excuse me, I'm wrong. Y'all got to correct me here. It says, after you trusted, after that you what? Heard. See that? Heard heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and after that you believed, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we heard, we believed, we were sealed. We had trusted in Him. And look what it says in verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. And that verse is what it's simply saying. It says when He gave us the Spirit, it's like that down payment. It's the earnest of our inheritance. We are, we are heirs of God. We're going to see that in the next few verses. We're heirs of God. And what has God given us to prove that? The Spirit. And so we don't need to worry. We don't need to wonder if you're saved. You don't have to worry about whether or not you're saved. He has sealed you. You're His child. He's proven it. You can rest in Him. You can enjoy a close relationship of love with God. See, the thing, Christianity is not about a bunch of rules. It's about a relationship. And that's what Paul's trying to prove to them here. We aren't servants. We are sons. We are heirs. Go back with me to Galatians 4. Back to verse number 7. Galatians 4, 7. I love this verse. He says, Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So we're not servants anymore. We're sons, we're his children, we have a close relationship with him. You remember the story of the prodigal son? Uh, I'm sure many of you have heard this you know, down through the years, but the prodigal son, what happens? He came to his father and he said, Dad, I want my inheritance now. And so the dad says, all right, son, I'll give you your portion of the inheritance. And he goes off and what does he do? Is he a smart guy or a foolish guy? He's pretty foolish. He just, he just spends it all. He uses it improperly, uses it poorly. I mean, he just spends it on whatever he wants. And by very shortly after, he's broke. And he's sitting in a pig pen, feeding pigs, and he's so hungry that he says, man, I wish I could eat some of what these pigs are having. And then you know what he does? Uh, when you hit rock bottom, you usually realize, oh, I, I kind of messed up. And he realized what happened. He says, man, back at my dad's house, where I just came from, uh, I've come here, I've wasted everything I have, but back at my dad's house, even the servants, they have plenty. He says, well, here's what I should do. I need to go back home. And I, I'm, I'm hoping my dad's going to take me back. So what does he do? He, he gets up. He starts coming back. And as he's approaching his father's property, the father's there watching for him. You remember what the father does? He goes and runs out to him, and he hugs him. And the son, he says something that's so interesting. He says, Father, I know I've messed up. I've sinned against God. Can you please take me back? Just make me like one of your hired servants, is what he says. He says, please, can I just, I, I know I've been a disgrace to you. I know I've shamed our family. I know I've messed everything up. I've messed my life up. And what does the father say? He, he, well, he doesn't even say anything he, he, to him. He basically ignores what he said. The son says, hey, I'll be your servant. Just take me back. And he says, hey, my son's home. My child's back. And he says, hey, go kill an animal. We're going to eat some. We're going to have a party. Bring the ring. Bring some shoes. Put it back on him because he is my son. He was dead. He was gone. But now he's alive. We're going to have a party. 
That's why he says, and if you want to write this down, that's back in Luke chapter 15. You ought to read that chapter because it's an incredible story. And so what happens? What's the picture for us? We were far away from God. We had spent our lives. We had wasted everything we had. We were broken. We were sinful. And we deserve to die and go to hell. But what happens? The Father, He still loves us. God, He loves us and He sent Jesus to come and die for us. He sent Jesus to come and seek us, to save us. Because you notice what's happening? Let's actually go to Galatians 4. I love this verse. Look what it says in verse 9. Because He says, But after that you have known God, or rather are known of God. He says, You know God, but really it's that God came and found us. And so He comes and He brings us back and He doesn't treat us like servants. He says, Hey, my, my child is here. This is my son. We'll give him the very best. He is my child. So as children of God, you know what that means for us? That means that if you're saved, you are accepted by God. You don't need to strive and work for acceptance anymore. You don't need to go through life saying, man, I just hope this person accepts me and I hope they accept me. I'm going to try to do everything I can so that somebody accepts me. There is somebody who accepts you. That's God. And so then it doesn't matter whether or not people reject you or someone doesn't accept you because our God accepts us. He loves us. There's, there's no reason for us to try to strive to gain His approval. He loves us and He accepts us. That means that now we are seated with Him. In Ephesians chapter number 2, there's an incredible verse that says, hey, we are seated with Him in the heavenlies. It's, it's almost like we're already in heaven with Him. We have new life. We are completely and totally forgiven. So as a child, you don't need to worry and say, man, I messed up. I'm not sure if God loves me anymore. Does, does the father love his child? Yes, he does. So why do we act like, and if I don't do X, Y, and Z, if I don't just walk the line, then, then God really doesn't love me. And what's really bad is when we start doing that with other people. And we start saying, oh, you, you're, here, you're here at our church, but, but you don't quite look like you ought to. You don't quite talk like you ought to. You don't quite do everything you ought to. So, man, God must not really love you. And therefore, I'm not going to love you. I'm not going to invest in your life. I'm not going to be with you. And one of the reasons so many people are turned away from church is because church is full of people who act like they're great and they're all this good stuff, but they're really not. And they treat other people like they're trash. But the fact of the matter is our Father has accepted us. He has loved us. And he tells us, hey, you love others. Jesus, when he was at the, at the, the, the Last Supper, remember what he did? He got down, he took, he took the towel, and he started washing everyone's feet. And he says, hey, I've served you. Why? So that you'll learn to serve others. I've loved you, so you'll learn to serve others. He says, you know how we know how to love? Because the Father loved us. So we ought to be a loving people. To not be loving people means that we don't even understand our own relationship with the Father. Think about that. If we don't understand how God loves us, we can't extend that kind of love to others. So are you resting? Are you enjoying what you've been given as a child of God? You don't have to doubt your salvation. You can trust Him. Are you living in the light of the fact that you're His child? He loves you. He's pleased with you. He has accepted you. Last thing. Last thing. You don't have to live in the old ways because of Jesus. We've received the adoption through Jesus. We're now the sons of God through Jesus. And we don't have to go back to the old ways because of Jesus and because of what he's done for us. Let's look at what it says in verse number 8. We've got a few more minutes here. Look what it says, verse number 8. How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, 
how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, wherein do ye desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years. I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. When we didn't know God, we lived in the old ways. Think about it. You know, one of, one of, the, one of the saddest things, I think, for the, for the Christian church today is the fact that, you know, we have, we have grown up and we have lived with very little understanding of what it means to be lost. You know, I grew up in church my whole life. From, from the time I remember, I was always in church. I thought I was a good person, but I found out one day that I was not. You know why? Because I had an idol. Not, not a little statue that I carried around or that I had in my bedroom. It wasn't that kind of idol, but it was the idol of self. I idolized myself. I looked at Bo and said, man, Bo's a pretty good guy. I mean, he must be going to heaven. He's a good guy. He doesn't need anything else. And I looked at other people and said, man, that person, they don't quite measure up to me. I had an idol. I was, I was look, at, look at what that verse said. What did it say? He said, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. I was idolizing myself, treating myself like God. But I'm not a god. But what do we do? Some people, it might be, it might be their money. It might be their prestige. It might be their position. It might be their career. It might be any of these things. But we idolize those things. And we look at those things and say, hey, this is how I know I'm important. This is how I know I'm right. But we don't realize that we are serving false gods. It might even be that we have a, a picture of, in our minds of who God is, but it's not even God. Because you know what? Most people think about God is that, you know, God, they, don't, they don't think God of the Bible. They think He is a, a judging God. They think He is something else. They think Jesus was just a man. They think, you know, all of these things. Some people actually do worship other gods. Uh, just this week I was reminded of something. You know, in India, the vast majority of the 1.3 billion people, okay, just so we understand how much that is, that's over four times the population of our country. Okay, four times the population of our country. The majority of those people will live and die worshiping these things that are no gods. There's millions of gods in India. They believe that if, if your body is burnt by the Ganges River and your ashes are placed in the water, then, then you might have a chance of getting to whatever they call their heaven, whatever they think, whatever this good thing is they're looking for. But the fact of the matter is it's no gods. They're not gods. So they're going to live, they're going to die in utter darkness. Here we, we have the truth right in front of us. We know it. We've known it for many years. But people still... Most places around the world are dark spiritually, and that's where these people were. And see, I want you to understand something. If you don't get where you came from to where Jesus has brought you, if you don't get that you were lost, you deserve to die and go to hell, and that Jesus rescued you, you're not going to understand this passage. Because I know I was worshiping something that was not God, but now He has saved me. He has found me. I know Him. You know Him. If you're born again, you know Him. If you've believed in Jesus, you know Him. So why would we go back to worshiping something that's not God? Why do you want to go back to the old ways? Look at what it says in verse 9. It says, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, wherein you desire again to be in bondage? And I want you to feel the, the heart behind this. Because when Paul's saying this, he has loved these people, he's invested in these people, he's given his life to these people. And he says, how can you do this? You know God. You know the one who can save you. You know the one who can forgive you. But now you're turning back to something that cannot do anything for you. That leaves you with no hope. It leaves you hopeless. Look at what he says about these things. He says they're weak. He says they're beggarly. In other verses he says it's bondage. 
basically the idea of what's going on here says, you followed outward religious things that were powerless. They couldn't give you anything. But now you want to turn from God, the one who has power to save you, you want to go back to these things that aren't God's. And you want them to give you something. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? How could you do that? Because what has happened is He has found us. He has saved us. Look, last verse I want you to look at with me. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Some of you may know this verse. It's a fantastic verse. Just simple and short, and it teaches us so much about Christ. Luke chapter 19, verse number 10. I want you to see this. Please look at it with me. If not in your Bible, then up on the screen. Look at what, look at what it says. It says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus just lays out His whole purpose for coming to earth. The Father sent Him for a purpose. That was to seek or go out and find and to save, to rescue that which was lost. What was lost? Me. You. Everyone around this world, That no one has a relationship with God by default. Okay? He came to seek and to save the lost. It was a rescue mission. It wasn't just an Easter story. It wasn't a Christmas story. It wasn't all about the angels and about the, the manger and about the stable and about the gifts and about all this stuff. It was a rescue mission where Jesus came to rescue us, to come and find us. And Paul says, hey, he found you. You know him now. Why would you turn back to those old things that are so powerless, that are so empty, that are so vain? Because look at what he says. We'll go back to Galatians 4. Look at this, this very last verse that we had there. Uh, last two, verse 10. He says, You observe days and months and times and years. See, the Jewish people, they're all about these different feasts and festivals and all these things. And he says, You're focused on this stuff. But that stuff is weak and beggarly. It's not going to help you. Look what it says, verse 11. I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. This would be like... I'm, I think this would be about right, uh, an, an example of this. This would be like your child that you've loved and you've raised up and you've tried to nurture them and help them grow. That would be like them completely rejecting you and turning away from you. Turning away from all that you've tried to teach them and help them to grow, all the things you've tried to give them, they turn their back and say, I'm not interested in that. Because you know what Paul had done? He had gone to the city. He had risked life. He had, he had risked his own life. He had risked everything to go to these places to preach the gospel to people, to tell them that Jesus came to die for him. He came and invested time in teaching them and loving them and sharing the truth with them and helping them and helping them to learn to know God. And there was joy in his heart when he saw people believe in Jesus and become born again. But now he's looking at them from afar and he's hearing all these things. He's hearing that they're wanting to turn back to these old ways. He's, wanting to, he's hearing that they're wanting to turn back to the law, and he says, what are you doing? I showed you the truth. I showed you what God has done for you. Now you want to go back to this old stuff? I'm afraid of you. I'm worried that I invested in you, and I loved you, but it was empty. It was worthless. There's no, there was no fruit from it. He says, why would you want to turn back to something powerless? The lesson for us, don't turn back to anything. Don't turn back from Jesus to anything else, Okay? Just don't do it because you're going to find it's empty. You're going to find it's vain. You're going to find it has no power. You're trusting. We, we, we trust in Jesus, but then we start trusting and basing our relationship with God on other, on other things. Don't do that. Please, don't do that. He loves you. He's made you his child. Why would you turn to anything else? Don't look at your own life and say, hey, this thing, these things I do make me righteous. They don't. Only Jesus does. 
Because there's somebody who's invested in you and there's somebody who loves you and there's somebody who cares about you and there's somebody like Paul that would say, hey, I've tried to give you everything. I've tried to teach you. I've tried to help you know God, but now you're turning away from it. We can't do that because one day you'll understand that. You understand that when you love somebody and you invest in someone, it might be a friend, it might be a family member. We've been talking about discipleship at our church a lot lately. When you have invested your life in somebody and then you see them turn away from Christ. When you see them start to trust in themselves instead of trusting in Jesus, you're going to say, what are you doing? You're going to understand this. So I want you to know a few things just to close. If you're not saved, if you have never had a relationship with Christ, if you've never believed in Jesus and trusted what He did on the cross to pay for your sins, to give you eternal life so that you can go to heaven when you die, I want to encourage you to trust Him today. He came for you. He came to seek you. He came to save you. He came so that you could have your sins forgiven. So you wouldn't have to die and face the consequences of your sin, which is a place called hell. It's called death in the Bible. Jesus came for that. If you want to, you can be saved today if you'll simply trust Him, believe in Him. Mark, maybe mark on the back of your communication card, I want to become a follower of Christ, and we can have someone talk with you and you know, show you from the Bible how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. I want you to understand that. I mean, you can be born spiritually into His family. You can have God as your Father. You can have peace. You can have the hope that comes with knowing Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're, you're a Christian, it's time to live out who you are in Christ. Enough with trying to trust in yourself and, and trying to make yourself look good. Just live out who you are. He saved you. He's working your life. Don't turn back to something that's going to keep you in bondage. Live for Him. There's, there's no peace, no joy, nothing like living for Jesus. You can't find anywhere else. So why try? Every other place it's empty. You don't need the law. You have been made righteous. Why would you want to turn back to your own works, to relying on yourself? You could never save yourself. You can never make yourself righteous. We just live for Jesus. We love Him. We follow Him. And He does a great work in our lives. He loves you. He died for you. We live for Him. That will be our response this morning. When we look at how He's made us His children and how He's redeemed us from the law, how He's paid for our sins, the only proper response for a Christian is say, Man, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for what you've done for me. I'll live my life for you. Let's have a word of prayer when we finish this morning. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that if there's someone in here who has never truly believed in you, that today would be the day that they put their faith in you as, as their Savior. God, it, it's so simple, but it takes us denying ourselves and turning to you. God, I pray that they would realize that they're a sinner and that they deserve to die. They deserve to go to hell, but that you loved them and you sent your Son to die in their place. God, I pray that they would understand that, that, that the only thing they have to do is to believe, put their faith and their hope in Jesus. That they would ask you to be their Savior, ask you to forgive them of sins, that they'd call on your name. God, I pray that you would work in someone's life here this morning. Lord, I pray for those of us who are, who are Christians, who, who know we're, we're, we're your children. God, help us to rest in the fact that you have saved us. We are your children. God, thank you for your love for us. God, I pray that we would live for you and that we'd never turn aside to things that are powerless, the things that that can't give us anything. God, help us to trust and walk with you and you alone. pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vision Sermon Podcast. You can find more sermons and connect with us online at visionbaptistcob.com.